ladies and gentlemen, Elite Heat listeners, tonight's it, it's a big show. It's a big show. But first, just I've got to plug the show, Kevin. Our, our ratings have been pouring in on Spotify and all the audio platforms. You guys, just huge shout out. I'll start with that. Let me uh, let me check out the numbers actually right now. Live on air, pal. Yeah, we are. Kevin, you're, you're live on air there. And I want to say as well, for our uh, audio listeners, we're in the CM Punk show. I'm excited for a big collision review tonight. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, thir- <laughs> we have 13 five-star reviews now on Spotify, which is awesome. Woo-hoo! Yeah, that, oh. that's fantastic. Thank you all. That is just amazing. Um, yeah, the Spotify numbers are just going up. A couple new followers in the last time uh, that we spoke to you guys. So, yeah, awesome. Now, with that being said, let's start talking about Collision, baby. The oh, third yeah, episode pal. of AEW Collision. I mean, it was a great one. CM Punk collided with his, with his buddies on Saturday night. <laughs> no, but for real. All right. Money in the Bank 2023. It's in the books. Um, overall, I guess we can start with this. What, what did you think about the show, just from a general standpoint? Overall, I liked it. Did I love it and think it's the show of the year, the best show we've seen in the modern day? No. Uh, there were some parts I enjoyed much more than others. Um, the surprise returns and the big sort of shocks of those were probably my favorite parts of the show, uh, as well as the ending of the whole night. I thought that was well done. Um, yeah, on the whole, Kevin, for my like initial how I felt about it, I thought it was good. I was entertained for the most part. Granted, I did fall asleep at a little stage there, and we'll get to that. Uh, but on the whole, I thought it was good. What do you think? Did you like it much, pal? Um, I thought it was average, honestly. Like I thought, I, I just thought it was meh. Like it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. Um, it was just there. Uh, maybe that's because of the quality of the, the paper, the PLEs um, in the past calendar years. It's like. SummerSlam 2022. Maybe it's just because this one wasn't on the same tier or same par. Maybe it was because uh, a little bit of Forbidden Door fatigue sitting through that four-hour show. I- I'm not sure what it was, but it just didn't really connect with me overall. Um, there were some good points, don't get me wrong, but I just think there was a lot of just average um, splattered across this card. And I-, I fell asleep at the same time you did, so that's funny. But All right, let's not waste any time, pal. The opening match... The men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, you and I pretty much had narrowed it down to just Logan Paul or LA Knight as potential winners. I, I didn't really even consider anybody else. I, I, I thought the time to make Damian Priest a main eventer was in 2021 after he had that tag team match with Bad Bunny. Uh, I don't want to say that they missed their opportunity with him because he still is in great shape. He's still a, a, a guy that's like in the upper mid card that's ready to go to the next level. I can see him being a WWE champion at some point. Um, you know, this is a big win for Puerto Rico. I mean, I got to say that he can be the first Puerto Rican world heavyweight champion or universal champion, however WWE decides to go. So I was happy with this outcome. And it genuinely shocked me. That doesn't happen very often in wrestling for people that have been watching it as long as we have. We don't get shocked very often. And this kind of shocked me. I mean, I shouldn't say shocked, but it caught me off guard. I, I really didn't see it coming. The crowd didn't see it coming either. People were more upset that LA Knight didn't win. And a- LA Knight's reaction was kind of like shades of like Finn Balor in like 16, 2016 and like Daniel Bryan 2014. It was like, this guy has to win. This guy has to win. Like, why does LA Knight have to win? Can exactly. you tell me what LA Knight has done? Like, yeah, he gets a good reaction. Like, I saw somebody, uh, side tangent here for a second. 
I saw somebody tweet um, a clip of LA Knight's entrance. And they're like, oh, this is Attitude Era level pops. And I'm just like, bro, this is a UK crowd that doesn't get any live pay-per-views. So they're going to cheer for anybody. And LA Knight's the internet darling. This is not the equivalent of like a bunch of 19-year-olds in a town in like Oklahoma ch- going crazy for Stone Cold in 1999. It's just not. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And on that, Nakamura and Pete Dunne, Butch, both got equally as good, and I would argue for Nakamura, better reaction than LA Knight. I was watching those entrances. They're a bit dead for Escobar, and they're okay for Priest because he's a heel, and Logan Paul, they booed. But it was not, I did not watch those entrances just turning on the show this morning and go, LA Knight's the clear, overwhelming crowd favorite. It wasn't like a, he's just the, it wasn't overwhelming. The crowd was equally loud during the entrances for those other guys. And yes, Kevin, during the match, the crowd would pop when LA Knight would be involved with something. And I'll pass back to you in a second, but I did find it weird the booking of this match because the first half to two thirds, it felt like LA Knight wasn't even involved near enough in anything. Like, they'd have him in the ring for five seconds before Escobar and Nakamura would, like, throw him out again. It, it, was, it was really weird. I don't know who produced this match. Um, but nonetheless, Kevin, I'll pass back to you. What was your favorite spot, favorite moment? Talk to us. Uh, so we got one quotable from my parents. Uh, so we did this on the last podcast, and you guys liked it. Um, so during the entrances of this match, when Ricochet came out, my mom looked at me and was like, who the heck is that? And I was just like, his name's Ricochet. Like, I, there was nothing. His name's Andrew, Andrew Tate. He's a popular influencer. Um. <laughs> yeah, like, there's nothing I can say about that. But uh, I cringed really hard at the spot when Ricochet, like, I don't even know what you want to call the move, when he threw Logan Paul face first through a table. Like, if, if Logan Paul's seriously injured, or he's not, he's not seriously injured, but if he had gotten seriously injured or worse, Ricochet would be gone from WWE. That'd be his last day working for the company. Um, but I was like, yo, like, come on, like, that's, like, really sloppy. Like, I, I know, like, obviously, Logan Paul was in on it, but that, I don't know what they were trying to do. So, basically, what happened was Logan Paul, like, or no, they were both on top of the ladder. Logan Paul and uh, Ricochet were both on top of the ladder. They got pushed down by somebody. I don't remember who LA it was. Off, yeah. yeah, LA Knight. And then they yeah. landed on the top rope. But, like, Logan Paul kind of had his, one of his feet, like, stuck under the, the bottom rope. And then Ricochet wasn't really in a leverage position. And he just grabbed him and did like a flip thing. But Logan Paul was supposed to flip, but instead he just landed face first. And Ricochet landed like he was this close to landing on the back of his head. That was like, oof, man, that was rough. But yeah, go ahead. Kevin, it was sloppy shop sort of stuff. This is the sort of thing that where we'll keep, there's no double standards here. Like that's the sort of thing, if that happened in AW, you'd have Kenny Olivier, botches that would make the rounds on twitter and get the oh baby do you know what that's so, like that music we played over at slow-mo it'd be like omg tony kanye to performance center we're, i'm gonna keep that and we're gonna keep that same energy when it happens with WWE. that was reckless like, i get a money in the bank it's a bit of a, a car crash demolition derby spot fest especially for the men that's just what it is but i watched that and i cringe i was like why no. And there are a couple of spots in this match as well. The Logan Paul dive onto Damian Priest or the ladder didn't break or Oof. they didn't even give it all. Oof. And like you could tell that winded both of them. And both of them were like, oh, and they were just on the ground, like trying to get air back because it, it looked bad. There was no give. Logan Paul does this like run along the apron, mini frog splash. Priest is laid like down on his back on a ladder, which is between the ring and apron and the barricade. Just crunches him. And you can tell Priest is like, oh. like, the air was just gone. I was just, oh, God. And that looked, 
it wasn't bad. It didn't look like botchy. It was just it's like it's just something execution. Um, so Kevin, your thoughts on that or any other spots that really piqued your interest? Not really. I mean, we'll address in, in long form what Damian Priest means, uh, what he's going to do with the Money in the Bank briefcase. So we'll kind of gloss over that. Uh, Priest won, like I said, in shocking fashion. Uh, there weren't really any other spots that I could think of that jumped to the top of my mind. And any for you? Um, I'm just skimming through my notes as, as we're, we're doing this show now. The, the one that I did like, like I'll give legit praise to, I believe Butch. I think had Escobar in like a submission and they were like lying on the ladder. Oh, yeah. So did the one where he just, he was, it wasn't in camera shot. He just comes flying over the top. It was like a 720 rolling flip and lands on both of them. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's, that's cool. Like it was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to complain anything. That's just a cool move. So credit to the guys there. Um, and there was one moment which I liked as well. Damien Priest, your boy, he gets Logan Paul. This is about five minutes in. Gets him by the head and sort of flings him like at the steel that was steps, great. Not, not, not really into them or like over them. He just threw them like in the direction of the steps. Logan Paul goes like flying, he like collapses on the ground in pain. He's like holding his face, screaming. And the UK fans are like, You deserve it. You deserve it. Oh, that was funny. Like that was that was cool. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, my main takeaways from this match, outside that that ridiculous Logan Paul ricochet spot that we mentioned, that was not as unnecessary as the Tiger Driver spot with Osprey and Omega. That was just, that's a different level, but it was just the execution. They could have done a different spot. It looked just, you know, Logan Paul's there, Ricochet's there, Logan's clearly not got his footing. They're both sort of unbalanced a bit. Ricochet just goes, oh, we're going to go now. And they both just throw each other face first through two tables onto the floor. It was like... Yeah, it was supposed to be the big viral moment that we predicted that the two would have, and it just didn't work out. Uh, I want to talk about the LA Knight thing real quick before we move on. Um, so LA Knight was not really featured in this match. He kind of sat out like most of the big spots. Like he was just outside there, and then he comes back in randomly. There's no explanation, you know. Like like Wade Barrett didn't say, "Hey, LA Knight got taken out by that big move from Damian Priest." You know, now he's back. It was just like, "Oh, LA Knight's here." Okay, he's been sitting for like seven minutes or whatever it was, like five minutes. I don't know how long it was. It felt like twenty. It felt yeah. like he was out of the match. Then he just shows up. And he's just like, carrying on, business as usual, trying to take someone down, gets kicked. And then it's like, okay, LA Knight's here. And then, I, and then like, they did the predictable thing. They made you think LA Knight was going to win. And then Damian Priest, like, yanks him down, grabs the briefcase. Um, so it, I, I think it kind of worked what they wanted. But I think it would have worked better if Logan Paul had won. It would have just got, like, that, that unanimous boo. Like, Damian Priest winning, like, like I love it, you know, and I think it's great, but I'm extremely biased. But not, not to be biased for a second, it was just like, it felt flat, you know? It was just like, okay, Damian Priest won, the crowd's just like, okay. Cool. Like, they, nice. they weren't booing or cheering, they were just like... Yeah, nah, I 100% agree with you. Uh, that, that was my sort of reaction when he won as well, like, you nailed it. It, it was like, he won... And the whole match, I'm thinking, okay, is are they going to go with LA Knight or are they going to have Logan Paul? That was like all I was thinking. Damien Priest wins after they do that big last five minutes of basically, to sum the last five minutes up, LA Knight's in the ring basically the whole time. He'll go up the ladder, he'll punch someone, they'll come down. Someone will climb up, LA Knight will pull him down and throw him out. LA Knight will hit a move. He was all over the last five minutes. As you said, he was like nowhere to be found in the first 15, 20 minutes. It was, it was, a weird, it was weirdly done. Uh, but yeah, Priest wins. There was a segment with him later on the show backstage, which was well done. I thought that segment was good. But yeah, this was the crowd was like, yeah, cool. Priest won, but they're not really going off. They're like, oh, okay, cool. 
We'll clap. What's next? Yeah, exactly. And I have more to say on this point, which I'll save for Elite Take. Uh, so yeah, so then we get the um, the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match. Uh, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez defeated Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. This match went for nine minutes. Um, Raquel Rodriguez has a back. Uh, Liv Morgan wears sexy gear. And Ronda Rousey has beef with the with the office, doesn't want to be there. And Shayna Baszler is now a heel. That That's pretty much a summary of this match. So essentially what happened is they wrestled for like 7 and minutes and 58 seconds. And Ronda looked bored. And again, like I said, Raquel has a back. And then randomly, like Shayna Baszler just put Ronda in a submission move. And like started beating her up. And everybody was like, okay, like... Nice, you know, you'd love to see that. So it was just like it was random. Um nobody cares about Shayna Baszler, and it's been like that since they brought her up and had her bite Becky Lynch three years ago. Like nobody cares. Uh nobody cares about the, the women's like the four horse women of the MMA. Nobody cares anymore. You know? Uh that that time is gone. Ronda Rousey's not this big UFC star anymore. MMA fans don't even talk about them, let alone like Shayna Baszler and the other four horsewomen. So it's just like, what are we doing here now? This would have been big in like 2019. This would have been big. But now it's like, okay, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez got the championships back. The division has no direction. I don't know why this was on pay-per-view. I, I, I don't know. I, have no, I don't even know what to say. Now that's like, it's so puzzling. Uh, do you have anything? Can you add anything? Can you make sense of anything that happened in this match? Uh, firstly, you covered this really well. Uh, you said everything, pretty much everything I, I wanted to say with that. I'll, I'll add in one more thing. This match, yeah, as you say, it goes like eight, eight minutes. There's wrestling, they're wrestling. Real summary of this, Shane Baszler and Ronda Rousey uh, just effortlessly taking turns, just punching with Morgan and doing like rest holds. That was literally this match. Raquel was on the apron and doing lat spread. and. Yeah, that was sort of the match. And then they do a double submission move, like eight minutes in. You've got Shayna Baszler's wrenching back on um, Liv Morgan. Ronda Rousey's wrenching the arm, I think. They're doing something. Actually, I've actually noted it down. It, it caught my attention. Like, I want a double submission on Liv Morgan. That's cool. Within 90 seconds, Kevin, 90, 90 seconds later, you've got Ronda Rousey's like standing dominantly over Liv Morgan. And you're like, okay, she's just going to beat her up and they're going to win. All of a sudden, Shayna Baszler just punches, like king hits Ronda Rousey from behind runs off, and then Ronda just loses. I was like, so we sat through a nine-minute match for that. Really? We sat through nine minutes of Shane and Ronda just like, looking like they don't want to be there, just punching Liv Morgan just for that. They could have just, Kevin, this match could have gone a minute and a half, and you have Shane Baszler come out from the get-go with just some attitude, looking like she doesn't want to be there, and then she just right away just turns on Ronda. Just do it quick. Do it quick, because the timing seemed to be not an issue on this show, but it, timing was weird with matches. I don't know. So there's something, something about it. Uh, but yeah, this went about eight minutes too long. It went now 10 minutes, this match. As you perfectly put, there's no real direction here. No one's watching the show to see this. There isn't really an audience for it anymore. The audience they had for it was four or five years ago. Now it's just sort of there. So yeah, Kevin, we can move on. This is a bathroom break for many. Uh, you said you were doing your laundry during this match. So yeah, there you no, go. No, I did my laundry during this match we're about to talk about. Oh, gosh, um, I love this. Yeah. So, this, I just want to say, this tag team match went nine minutes. This went longer than Gunther versus Riddle and longer than Cody versus Dominic. Um, but, and I want to say about the pacing of the show. This was a three-hour and, like, 50-minute show. It did not feel like it at all. It, it didn't in any way. Like, it felt like 
like uh, where did the time go you had 30 minutes with the main event 20 minutes with the men's ladder match then every other match was in that 10 to 15 minute range so and even less for cody and gunther but i don't know so uh after this we had gunther versus riddle so you've got the premier athlete in the company this is a guy that's having a banner year in 2023 making the intercontinental championship more relevant than it's been in 30 plus years versus a cokehead a, a, a guy who's addicted to coke and hookers and cheating on his wife and all this and like they've managed to have a european crowd not care about gunther's match like it, it's incredible i i couldn't believe it and then you have drew mcintyre return at the end and it's like i get it they're gonna have the match at SummerSlam, but you couldn't have like you couldn't have done like mcintyre versus like one of the guys from the brawling brutes like sheamus or the other guy i don't know his name or somebody huh yeah. yeah rich holland yeah rich holland or something like we had we had a cokehead here with gunther a guy that nobody likes like unanimously nobody likes riddle like he has like x-pac heat miz heat nobody wants to see him again let, let it nobody wants to see him on pay-per-view in a multi-man match in a tag match let alone in a premier spot against the best wrestler in the company uh, arguably you know it's it's absolutely ludicrous it, this decision to have riddle like who is on wrestling forum on rest on wrestling reddit on wrestling twitter in triple h's mentions on instagram demanding for matt riddle this at former mma fighter that has an addiction to drugs and hookers to be in a match with, with the best wrestler of the company who who out there is asking for this somebody i'm sure somebody's gonna be in the comments like yeah i wanted to see this cokehead in a match with gunther i, I don't get it I, I don't understand at all it doesn't make any sense it did nothing for anyone involved this was literally just a throwaway match to set up gunther versus mcintyre for the pay-per-view which is fine or for SummerSlam, which is all fine and dandy yeah but like we could have got something a little just a little bit better than this yeah, I really like what you said with Ridge Holland. I think that would have been perfect. Use use this because it's in the UK. Remember what they did at Night of Champions with Ali and Gunther? Like that was obviously a th- Gunther was clearly going to retain. Ali wasn't going to win. They used that to really showcase the guy he was facing. Yeah. It was a really big... Because Kevin, to me, that's the biggest moment of Ali's career. I look at Ali and besides the things of him bitching on social media two years ago, I look at that in Night of Champions, how he was presented, the video package, the entrance him giving back to his community. He had a good performance against the, the dominant Continental champion. That's what they did then. This, as you say, n- no one has any affinity to Riddle. Like, Riddle is just sort of... I mean, I just view him. He's just a guy to me, which is probably the worst thing. If you're in, like, the he's a guy category, you're basically irrelevant. I, I, I feel nothing towards Riddle. I don't feel entertained. I don't feel angry or annoyed he's on the screen. I, he doesn't hate with me but I don't care for him. I don't really like him either. So he's just literally there. Uh, so the match went for, what did you say, seven minutes? I yeah, seven like minutes that. and 45 seconds. It was a weird match as well. Like half the match, maybe more, was quite literally submission holds. Gunther was working over the ankle, the leg. They were more present on the ground for about over half this match, it felt like. And then they, the ending I found fun, Gunther gets Riddle's ankle, which was like taped and strapped. Gunther goes like, pow, he chopped it like five times, <laughs> which was... It was weird saying a, a six foot four, huge, I think it's Austrian, I think, just a huge giant European man, thump chopping Matt Riddle, this, as you just described, Cokehead's ankle. And then he locks in this like, this like vice grip ankle lock on him. And Riddle was like, ah, oh, bro. And he just like tapped out. 
And so that was the match. That was seven minutes, Kevin. I know you loved it. As you say, you really enjoyed watching Matt Riddle, the great combat athlete. Um, the one note I took on this, Riddle's a tight. Riddle looked ridiculous. He did. He had like the, the the braided, like two braided like pigtails almost. Like I don't know what's going on. And with Matt Riddle, since he wears no knee pads, literally no no shoes, and he had like white colored tie. He looked. He literally looked nude. It, it was ridiculous. It, I was like, what, what is this? And then obviously, as we described, Gunther was just beating up his ankle for about six minutes in submission holds, and just won because after chopping it, it was like. Then the match ended, and I'm like, okay, cool. And then Drew came out, which that was the saving grace. That was one of my favorite points of the show. It was really cool seeing Drew. You hear the, the sound of swords, and Drew comes out looking as jacked as ever. He storms down to the ring. Crowd is super into it. That was a really cool like highlight moment because, Kevin, let's be real, the previous 25, 30 minutes of this show, nothing's really stood out. Like Shane has turned heel or turned on Ronda Rousey. No one really cared. That fell flat. This was the first moment in a long time on the show where you thought, damn, oh my God, you, you really got me back going. So yeah, Drew's back. That's cool. They're doing Drew versus Gunther at SummerSlam, I guess, the IC title. I really like that. That's a big match. That's a legitimate, big time, good matchup as well. So I look forward to that. Um, Kevin, any thoughts on that match or do you want to move it on? I just want to say this. Um, what I wrote in my notes, word for word, this is verbatim what I wrote in my notes from this. A cokehead is facing the Intercontinental Champion and premier wrestler in the promotion. What a message to send to your sponsors. Like, but the, this, is a, this is a children's show. You're advertising for children. You know, you've got like Mountain Dew and like candy companies advertising Bob on your Light. show. Bob Light's a sponsor. Do you know Bob Light's sponsoring oh, the show, Kevin? Bob Light. Every, every match, every time I calls it Bud Light, Bud Light, Bud Light. Did you, okay, also, just quick siren before oh. I'll go back to you. This show, if you watched it, after every match or between matches, they would slide in Bud Light's a sponsor, Bud Light, Bud Light. And, you know, WWE have done sponsorships for years. This isn't like, oh, my God, WWE is a sponsor. What? We know they've been shameless with promotion of things many times in the past. We get it. This just felt particularly over the top and annoying. We saw Bud Light every five minutes. Like, no, we don't care. Stop. Anyway, carry on. Oh yeah, no, it was it was ludicrous. I have a point about the Bud Light thing, which we'll get to in the next match, because uh, it's relevant. But yeah, no, like you you got like yeah, you have like Skittles and like Snickers advertising on on your show, and you put this guy that just got suspended for coke that nobody for doing coke that nobody likes, in, in a premier spot. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like whatever. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think McIntyre uh, McIntyre versus Gunther is great. Like you said, McIntyre's return probably a top three moment on this show. Like top four, top five, top five moment on the show. Top uh, two or three. Top two or three. Yeah, it was big time. Um, he confronted Gunther. Gunther pushed him, and we had all this good stuff going on. I can't wait to see the match at SummerSlam. It's going to be a, a a match that you know Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage would be proud of for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much all I can say about that. So then we have Cody Rhodes versus Dominic Mysterio with your favorite wrestler Rhea Ripley in his corner. Uh, this match went 8 minutes and 40 seconds. I, I still can't tell you why this match happened. Um, the only thing I have in my notes here is I'm not paying $5 to watch a recap of Cody crying over Eddie Guerrero's son. Like, you literally had to pay for Peacock Premium if you wanted to watch the recap. Like, like for me, I don't have Peacock Premium. I have the, the basic one with ads. So I watched, like, three or four minutes of commercials uh, before we, we, came, we come back to Dominic, like, slowly strutting down to the ring. 
Yeah, li- literally. Really? Yeah, li- literally. They like Dominic's music hits, or no, no, before Dominic's music hits, Michael Cole's like, all right, for a Peacock Premium Plus subscribers, you get to see the recap of Cody versus Dominic. For those of you with the regular Peacock subscription, you enjoy these ads from our partners. And I was just like, okay, like I'm literally not paying five dollars to watch this recap. I, I do not care. Um, I don't care enough. That's bad. Like That's that. Bad. Yeah. I because Kevin, I was watching it. I have a binge. This is like the Australian version of Peacock, I guess. I just have the subscription. So Cole said that uh, for the Peacock Premium Plus subscribers, and I was like, "What's the on about?" And then I just saw the video package. I didn't experience what you experienced with that, where Peacock literally have a paywall, so you couldn't you couldn't watch Cody Rhodes telling Dominic Mysterio that he's gonna he's gonna beat him like his father did at WrestleMania, like. You didn't get to say that, pal. You, you missed out, Kevin. You didn't get to say recaps of Raw segments, pal. How do you feel? Oh, I, I feel like I need to pay that nine ninety nine now, pal, to get that that Peacock Premium Plus. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're lucky they get my five dollars. They're lucky. Like, <laughs> I'm not paying ten bucks to listen to Michael Cole scream about Dominic and and Cody. Like, no, <laughs> get out of here. Um, uh... Yeah, I'm not but giving Pell, up. Yeah, but Pell, what, what do you think of the match? Because the match itself, as you said, eight minutes. It was just sort of I, this felt like a raw match. Yes. Like I was watching this, and yeah, like I like both guys. Well, I don't like Dominic Mysterio. I, I hate the guy because he's doing his job. He's a heel. But I don't, I don't, you know, it's not that of Matt Riddle hate or hate with as you do or like I'm watching it. It's a good raw match, right? I didn't really feel super invested in it. I like Cody Rhodes, and I like the reactions he was getting. Yeah, he was getting the Cody, Cody Rhodes, Cody. Like that, they were like a, they were just singing his name the whole time, which was cool. Um, Cody's entrance was quite good, but really, you know, it, we'll probably discuss more of this on a late take. But it, it makes you really think with Cody Rhodes, especially after seeing how they ended the main event. So, so where are we at with this guy? And we'll, we'll and I'll throw back to you in a moment. We'll, we'll say it a little bit now, and we'll save a lot for a late take this week. But yeah, Cody wins. He wins with the crossroads. There were a couple of Rhea interferences. Cody fought them off and got the win. Uh, he took his cast off like 10 seconds into the match. So he was he's healthy again, pal. Cody's back. He's medically cleared, even though he's been wrestling every week anyway. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, this match was here. Um, this is the epitome of a filler match. Um, this is a thing where if Cody was, was undisputed champion right now, this is the point where we'd be like, all right, this is kind of like, this experiment of Cody being champion is kind of done, you know, like this, I, I feel like at least, which we'll talk more about this in elite take. Um, but it's just like, okay, we're here with Cody. He's still a top three, four superstar in the company. One of the building blocks of the company. Um, Dominic is like a future guy or he's like the president or whatever you want to say. He He's one day he's going to be world champion. Most likely yeah. um, he's going to have a nice hall of fame career. And he just takes a loss to Cody, and it's like, okay, moving on. Like, it's just really something that isn't going to matter in the next yeah. month or two. Um, so it's really not much to it. It's just something for there to have a match. Like, I would have preferred personally if maybe Cody would have sold the injury more and stayed off the pay per view, and we would have had like Owens yeah. and Zayn defend the tag team titles in this spot, or maybe Austin Theory. Who knows? A guy that beat John Cena that we haven't seen on pay per view since then. I'm just saying, did we really need to have Cody? beat Dominic Mysterio in the middle of Dominic's rise. Like, I, I don't think it was really necessary. Um, even with Rhea Ripley's interference, Dominic still couldn't do anything. So it, it didn't help really either guy. 
you know like people aren't gonna be i'll let you go to say people aren't gonna be like oh yeah cody beat dominic he's you know he's doing so much better after this like both guys yeah. are still in the same spot that they were in you know yeah, it's just the sort of purpose of it. It's one of those matches where when we do our like pay-per-view card guessing game in a few years' time, we look back and we'll do Money in the Bank, and then I'll read you Cody versus Cody defeated Dom in eight minutes in a singles match, and you'll be like, "What?" <laughs> it's, that just sort of happened. Um, but one thing I want to say to Dominic Mysterio, he's the guy who doesn't need to be a dominant heel who wins every match. He's not like Roman Reigns in that regard, but he hasn't won a pay-per-view match since Crown Jewel last year. That was nine months ago. Oh that's I, I was looking and i was thinking to myself obviously he lost to ray at wrestlemania that was like the big one that's the one we remember but when was the last time he won and like the judgment day had lost matches at pay-per-views in the back end of last year and the start of this year and i kept i kept going back on wikipedia pay-per-view after pay when did he last when did this guy last win he, he won a match in october last year and it's now july so th- that's a problem dom needs to win a match i don't know who against i don't know what you do but there's only so so long this character can go just losing. Before it becomes like, okay, this guy's just all talk. Who cares? Why should we take him seriously? If he's going to be a main event guy who, as you say, and he will be like the future star one day, he needs to win a match on a PLE in some regard. He should have beaten Rey Mysterio like, at least once somehow on a pay-per-view. Yeah. But it's it's sort of, because now, now what's Ray doing? Like Dom's here every week and he lost. So like, okay. So that's my sort of perspective on that. But yeah, that, that, that sort of is what it is. I personally think, I agree with you. What they should have done here is you have the US champion, the United States champion who beat John Cena at WrestleMania. You have him compete against LA Knight, the guy who's super right. They have LA Knight win the US title in this show. They're both SmackDown guys. That's the big moment. LA Knight gets a crowd pop. It doesn't mess up the flow of money in the bank. And because LA Knight was in money in the bank, Kevin, no one really cared that Priest won. That should have been a massive moment. But it was like, oh, it's not like nah. So, yeah, there you go, pal. So that, that's my thoughts on that. Dom should be Dom should be winning matches. Cody probably shouldn't have even been in this. Uh, yeah, a bit of just a, eh. So yeah, yeah, Cody. Like like I said, Cody didn't need to be um, on this card. There was no need for it. Could have had Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens defend the tag titles, uh, or like you like we said, Austin Theory have a match like. It would have been nobody would have cared if Cody wasn't here. He could have sold the injury. They could have get to Brock and him at SummerSlam at some point. It was just unnecessary. Um, yeah. So then we had the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Um, this match went 18 minutes. Yeah, Io Sky beat the girls involved. So you've got really like Zoe Stark is the one that we're gonna be like in five years. Like, ooh, Zoe Stark was in this match. Oh wow. She's the one if like if you play the game, which one is not like the other? It's her. No disrespect to her. I'm sure she's a great athlete, very talented performer. Um one thing I noted was that like the action at first was very like Oh, I forgot. I gotta say this about Cody and the Bud Light thing. They went to the Bud Light ad right before the crowd was gonna do the whoa thing. Uh, like in, in Cody's entrance when he's celebrating, and I was like like literally Cody's like they're like come on give it to me give it to me and then it's like right before literally right before the crowd says whoa it's like Bud Light Bud Light don't forget to drink Bud Light like Jesus Christ forget give me a break but yeah what do you what do you have to say about the women's winning the big ladder match well Kevin this is the point in the show five minutes in this match I just fell asleep again me too me too I fell right I fell right asleep like five minutes in and I guess oh sorry we're forgetting about the Cena segment hold on Oh, are we? Yes. Oh, I, I thought it was after this match. No, it was before no, no. this. No, no. We'll wrap up the women's money in the bank coverage, then we'll discuss the, 
the same segment. But when it comes to this Money in the Bank women's match, we obviously just had the same segment with Grayson Waller. We've seen Drew McIntyre's return. We're about, I don't know, we're nearly two hours in the show, like an hour 40-ish in, I think. And they're doing this women's match. They do the entrances. They do a video package, yada, yada. They're a few minutes in the match. And I don't know what it is. Whether it's the placement of the match or whether it's who's involved. I mean, with Trish Stratus, for instance, and obviously, sorry, she's 47. Her gig is not throwing a body at ladders, risking a lot. That's obviously not her gig. And none of these women are like, ah, oh, that's fine. That's not, it's no big deal. Not everyone needs to be Jeff Hardy diving off 40-foot ladders. That's cool. But when you've got a, a women's money bank ladder match, when an hour 40 ago, we saw a men's one with some ridiculous, dangerous spots, then you say this and you go, well, what can they really do? What, what are they going to do? And there was stuff at ringside. They've they got handcuffs involved. They had some you know, good sort of spots where you have a one, like wrestler A would slam a wrestler into a ladder and then they go flying. And there's like a couple of sort of spots where I was like, okay, you know, a little bit, you know, it's sort of, there was nothing really in this match where I thought, Kevin, get your friends, show them that spot. Right. Absolutely. And that, that's to be, as I said, that's to be expected. I'm not expecting Becky Lynch, who's now a mother and has a family and is an established wrestler. No one's expecting her to jump off the top of the building through a ladder onto someone. You, you don't expect that. So, yeah, as a result, I was just sort of bored watching it because I'm like, well, what, what can we expect? What are they even going to do? And who's going to win? I don't really, I'm not infatuated by who's going to win. So I just drifted, I fell asleep. Right. So, yeah, me too. Like, I woke up probably like, three or four minutes in to Rollins versus Finn Balor, I was out like a light. Uh, the only thing I'll say is Eosky wins the Money in the Bank briefcase. Um, I, I just, I don't care enough about what they're doing with the women's division to really be invested in what Eosky does with the briefcase. Like, I hate to say that, but WWE has not made me care. Uh, I, what, the Raw Women's Champion is Asuka, right? Or SmackDown Women's Champion. I'm not sure which one she is. And then the other champion is Rhea Ripley. So I can't even t- if I can't tell you which one Oscars is, that shows you everything you need to know. Oscars the Smack Oscars the SmackDown one. Because Bianca Belair went to SmackDown and she was like the raw champion. She was on SmackDown. Then Oscar beat um Belair. So then Oscar's now the SmackDown champion. Uh and then Rhea Ripley's the raw one. She walks around with Dominic and she's like the raw, I guess. I don't know, but yeah, Kevin, the whole point being it's sort of like, yeah, wait and see. I feel like the women's division at the moment is a bit of a holding pattern because Rhea Ripley's with Dominic. She's like the main sort of star. Bianca Belair's in this sort of like babyface heel tweener transition sort of thing going on. And then you've got them trying to bring Eo Sky up the card. Ask is currently a bit of a placeholder champion. So who knows? Ways to be seen. Becky Lynch is still there. You've got Trish there. There's this Zoe Stark thing. Bailey's there. Charlotte's not really back yet at the moment. They'll probably bring her back for SummerSlam and do something. I don't know. It's a lot of moving parts. Nothing's really, of any of them's really making me like, I need to see this right now. Hopefully come SummerSlam and as we build towards next WrestleMania, something or some things click like that. But at the moment, Kevin, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not really hooked on it. So Yeah, EOS guy's got the briefcase. Uh, we'll see some cool stuff, I'm sure, with her and damage control and whatever they do with Becky and that whole angle. I don't know. I saw a picture of like Becky posing with uh, with EO and Bailey. I guess Becky's in damage control. I, I don't really know. Uh, we'll have more follow up on this uh, during Elite Take, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So now Seth freaking Rollins. Cena. Cena. Kevin. Oh, sorry. Cena. Yes. Yes. Cena. My bad. 
So we had Cena's triumphant return to WWE. Uh, it caught us all off guard. I, I like I heard Cena's music and I was like, oh, they're gonna do a commercial or something. Cena's got a movie coming out, or he's gonna be like talking about Cinnamon Toast Crunch or whatever. And I was like, what is going on? Like, why are they playing Cena's music? And then he comes out and I was like, oh, okay, Cena's here. He's doing this whole thing. He's like throwing his hat. He's running like back and forth off the ropes. The crowd's showering him with cheers. Um, you know, he's he's at that point now in the stage of the game where he's the respected legend. It is great to see him. Um, and it's just, it was great to see him there. I, I thought the content of his promo was very odd. Like, he just came out and he was like, like, it, like it was cool, it was great, but he's just like, the UK deserves a WrestleMania. And I was just like, okay, cool. Like, the UK deserves a WrestleMania. Yeah, I'm down. But it was like, that was the main purpose of him being there, really. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um... Right, like, yeah, I don't know what the goal. Yeah, it was, it was sort of like Cena was in London doing filming, and then they were like, "Hey, John, you want to come out and just cut a promo?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, hell yeah, Jack!" So he, he comes out and does everything you say. He has the big entrance. He's throwing his hat. He's he's waving to the crowd. He's thanking people. He's rolling them up. They're cheering. And he does that promo thing, like, "I'm back for you, the audience. I love all of you. You guys are what I do it for." You know, people, I found it weird when he was trying to throw shade. It sounded like Vince McMahon. He's like, people, there are suits back there. There are people who don't want you, this audience, to have a have big shows. They think you're too rowdy. You're, you take over the show. That's what I love you for. Yeah, Sination. Woo! And so he sort of went on and on. He's like, WrestleMania, I feel like you guys deserve a WrestleMania. You UK fans. And like I'm watching it going, I mean, he's right about points. He's a bit, he's exaggerating certain bits. It's, it sounds like something CM Punk would say in a more spiteful tone, you know? Those people back there don't care for you. I do. I'm the voice of the voices. Tell me I'm telling lies. It sounded like a punk promo. It did. It was, it was literally, it was literally a punk promo. It, that's what I said to you. It was, <laughs> Cena was doing a punk impression just in, in a, he did it with the Cena, like the Cena sugar on it. You know, he put a little Cena sugar on, on, on top of the cookie and it was just like, what like i was so confused yeah the part where he's breaking the fourth wall like i get it that's a shot of vince mcmahon vince mcmahon probably didn't like the uk crowd that's why they never did a pay-per-view there in over 20 years but then immediately you set the people up on twitter they're like oh cena's talking about wrestlemania in the uk hmm tony khan did all in in the uk hmm and it's like yeah that was the tone on twitter like tony khan uk like we're not we're just gonna pretend like that the that wwe hasn't been on this international tour over the past year, you know, but Tony Khan, all in UK. That means WrestleMania is coming to UK now because Triple H wants to be like Tony Khan. Um, so we get that. Hey, go ahead. I was gonna say I haven't had Twitter in like two months. I was oblivious to that. That I didn't get any of that vibe. Obviously, the Twitter crowd will. So that happened, I guess. I'm watching it, and then yeah, Grayson Waller comes out, which I, I really like. Because I don't know what the reception was, Kevin. You can speak better to this in a moment, but. I saw Grayson Waller came out. I popped for it. I really like this guy because to me, Kevin, you talk about representation with wrestlers. Australia's had a number of wrestlers. Rhea Ripley's really the main one, but you look at Bronson Reed, Buddy Murphy, the Iconics. There's been a bunch of sort of Australian talents in the past five, 10 years. None of them have really connected with me as the Australian anywhere near as much as Grayson Waller. Grayson Waller, I, I think he's awesome. Like, his primo ability, he's like a naturally kind of arrogant, cocky, brash guy. Like he was on Survivor over here, this reality show like six years ago, and he got kicked off. 
because he was literally like an arrogant asshole. Like that was his thing. That's just who he is. I like he's, that. He's a natural personality. So when he's in the ring and he's doing his big spiel, he's like, John, yeah, you're a legend and I respect you. But look, mate, let me just tell you what's happened. You lost to Austin Theory at WrestleMania. You lost to Roman Reigns last year. And you lost to The Fiend at WrestleMania a few years ago. What have you done lately? You know, like, I respect you, but come on. And, you, and you, you're telling all these people saying they're great. Australia's better. WrestleMania Australia. How about that, John? How about you, you know, stick that where it doesn't shine? You know, and he's like quick, he's witty, and he's, he's arrogant. He's a fun, like, mic personality to watch. He's so much better than The Miz ever was at the mic. I watched this segment alone. Uh, I'm thinking, I feel something. He's connecting with the crowd. He's more witty. He's more switched on. He's more entertaining. He's saying things that are more pertinent and relevant. He brought up Cena's, as I said, recent losing record. Cena nowadays being pretty much washed, basically. Grayson Waller being the future. Grayson Waller knows what's up. He knows what will get you viral, what will get you, you know, make you relevant. All this, you know, the crowd. He was dismissive of the crowd. He, he's like, you guys know Banner. Shut up. I didn't ask you. I'm, I'm talking to you, John. Like, it was great. It was great. I really liked it. Um, I was carrying on to you about Grayson Waller was better than Damian Priest and all that. That was in the Discord messages. But really, the main takeaway, Kevin, this was an awesome segment. This is probably, to me, where the show peaked personally, uh, just from the perspective of you got Grayson Waller, you got Cena. The Cena thing was so like sudden, as you say. It was like, you've just seen a Bud Light ad. You're sort of just like, okay, what's going on? Dun, dun, tch, tch, tch. Apple juice, do, 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 do. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, what the hell? What's going on? And then I cut the camera. Cena's like, hustle, loyalty. Here's my towel. It was yeah, so he's random. yelling at Stu, the camera guy. He's like, I'm here, baby. I'm here. I made it. I made it. <laughs> yeah, John Cena's great. Cena's going off, but yeah, no, I, I love this. Like, personally speaking, I, this one is ones. I don't care what Twitter says. I don't care what the feedback was. I don't care what people say it's unnecessary. As much as Cena sound like he's doing a Phil Brooks promo, outside of that, which was just weird, I love this. I thought it was great. So, yeah, that, that's my big tangent over you. I love it, too. It's always great to see John Felix Anthony Cena Jr. in the flesh. You know, he's he adds so much to the show. Like, literally just by him cutting a promo, talking to Grayson Waller, and then, like, attitude adjustment, hitting an attitude adjustment on Grayson Waller, that adds, like, a, a, a notch to the show that wouldn't have been there if, if this didn't happen. Uh, I thought Grayson Waller was fantastic. He showed that he could hang with Cena on the mic. In comparison, like, leading up to WrestleMania, we had Austin Theory just, like, standing in an empty arena, just like, I'm better than you, John. I grew up watching you, but now I'm in the gym more than you. And I care about wrestling, and I'm better than you. Yeah, Grayson Waller is actually funny. Uh, I don't know too, too much about Grayson Waller. And now I'm more interested in Grayson Waller than I ever was. It was a great use of a legend like John Cena to get over a, a young star who could be a pillar of the next generation, per se. Um, and, and I and this is a guy that you can invest in, and he's someone who's proud and is invested in who he is. So it's believable, and it comes off as legitimate. Uh, like I said, he went toe-to-toe with Cena, which is hard to do. Not, not, ev- not everybody can do that, as we saw with Austin Theory. Uh, so shout-out to him. Uh, and yeah, it was a good segment, very fun. Now let's talk about the World Heavyweight Championship match. No, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. one more thing. One more thing. Um, when it comes to Waller, yeah, that was the big thing I was thinking during this. I'm like, we sat through just those theory Cena segments where Cena either wouldn't show up, or it was just Cena and Theory face to face, and Cena would literally lambast and cook Theory and make it seem like this is some 
useless, irrelevant bum who doesn't deserve even to be in the ring with him. That was the Cena theory build. You could see it in Cena's eyes and his face. Like, he, he like, respects how, like, Waller goes about it. And they're like, this is a guy who actually has something. You could see Cena's face. Like, when, when Waller's doing his, like, three-minute promo, you could see it with Cena. So that was cool. But, yeah, there's that, Kevin. Let's roll right along. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, so we got Seth freaking Rollins versus your boy, Fergal Devitt, a.k.a. Finn Balor. Uh, this was a 12-minute, 30-second match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, I... I thought it was, I, I don't want to say lackluster, because uh, I wasn't expecting much, but this is like Seth Rollins at the end of the day. This is the guy that's supposed to be the best worker in the world to some, the best worker in WWE, the guy that's going to carry Raw as the champion, and it just, it felt flat. Um, I thought the commentary was a little off. They, they could not stop mentioning, Michael Cole especially could not stop mentioning that 2016 SummerSlam match. If I would have took a shot every time Michael Cole mentioned that match, I would not be able to do this review right now. Like that that's how plastered I would have been. Um th- this was it was just there. It was just there. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It was just there. It was Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor, 12 minutes and 30 seconds. Solid three-star match. Um no real moves stick out to me. I can't really remember any sequence that I was like, "Wow, that's cool." Or "Wow, I haven't seen that." It kind of felt like a shorter version of their SummerSlam match from a number of years ago. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing for Seth Rollins and his first real title defense of this World Heavyweight Championship. Now, I know we're going to get something bigger at SummerSlam. Who knows what that'll be? Uh, I'm sure it'll be good, whatever it is that we get. But this was, um, again, just there. Just a match for the sake of being a match. Getting the champion on the show and it accomplished the job. It it, it continued and progressed Seth Rollins' title reign. I, I guess, yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. Uh, the question I'll ask you on this because it's a twelve minute match. This is yeah, Seth Rollins, one of the probably the best in ring wrestler in the world in that regard, against Finn Balor, Fergal, a guy who many people have just adored for the last decade for his ring, you know, prowess. Did this feel conclusive to you? Like, it was a 12-minute match, nothing really memorable. Rollins just won, and we sort of just moved on. Like, did this feel like, you know, this was the end of their story? That was a, a, a truly fulfilling resolution, and we can move on with it. To me, it just felt like, oh, yeah, nice, next. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not really shocked that Rollins won. So I guess we could talk uh, the main event now. So this was, the, uh, this was billed as the Bloodline Civil War. It was a tag team match. Uh, it was the Usos versus Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa. Of course, Paul Heyman is at ringside. Um, so Roman Reigns has, like, the, the, the mustard belt around his waist. And Paul Heyman is, like, holding the other two belts, the old ones. I think that's interesting. So now Roman is the belt collector, pal. So is Roman going to go... Like, this is actually... This is a brilliant segment. I would love to see this. Roman goes into the vault in, in like, the WWE headquarters, right? Him and Paul Heyman, he's just like, I'm taking all the old championships. I'm the tribal chief. I run this place. And he's grabbing like Bret Hart's belt, the belt that Pedro Morales and Bruno San Martino wore. And he's like, he's grabbing the old spinner belt. He's like, yeah, this is John Cena's belt. It's got John Cena's name on it. And Paul Heyman's just like coming out with like eight belts. Like that'd be hilarious. You got Paul Heyman holding like four belts. Solo Sokoa got four belts. Roman got two belts. Like it'd be ridiculous. I I would love to see that. Side tangent over. Um, Yeah. What, what do you think about this match? 
Firstly, I'll just say that idea is actually genuinely really good. The amount of one meme potential from that would be legendary. That could actually do a lot for once again Roman's character, and you play on the history of the titles. You could do like a there's so many references you could do that. Remember ten years ago when Brock was feuding with Triple H, and Brock invaded Triple H's office at headquarters and like smashed this like world title big gold belt replica with a sledgehammer. They could have Paul Heyman be like, "Oh, I remember this," and he could like pick it up and. Like they do all this fun stuff. Yeah, I can imagine Roman Reigns, jo- Joseph Anawaii. He grabs like a he grabs Cena's spinner title. And he he does the thing where it's like the Roman's feeling himself. He's like, oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah, this belt. Eh? <laughs> he's like looking at it. He, he looks at the, the spinner title. He's like, he spins it. Acknowledge me, and he just like throws it on the ground. So like stuff like that. There's so much fun. That's a brilliant idea. But anyway, Bloodline Civil War, Kevin. Great match. This is what you'd expect it to be. I didn't expect the ending that happened, uh, but for the first 20, 25 minutes, it was really what you'd expect. Solo Sokoa, Roman Reigns, taking turns, beating up Jimmy Uso was really the first like half to bulk of this match. Um, main event, Jay getting the hot tag was the big storyline that was telling, especially over the first half to two thirds of this match. Eventually you get to, I mean, the match is building up, it's building up, Kevin. I'll get your thoughts on sort of the pacing of the match because to me, yeah, a bit predictable, but obviously Roman, it builds up, it builds up, it builds up, it builds up, which all these matches do. It's a good main event structure. Eventually it's a ref bump, Kevin. And I'll ask you this, just quick fun question. Do you know, would you have a clue, and any of our listeners, this is probably an Arcada question. He'd probably know this. When was the last Roman Reigns, like main event, just match period without a ref bump? I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a great question. Honestly, I, I have no idea. Maybe like the, the that Father's Day match he did with Rey Mysterio on SmackDown in the Hell in a Cell. Like he just whipped Rey Mysterio's ass. I don't think there was any any need for like a, a ref bump. Yeah. I don't well, know. Gen, gen, genuine question. Because like I watched it and that was my first thought. Cause we know it's going to happen. There's going to be a ref bump in the Roman Reigns match. That's just that we accept that. We've, we've had our discussion of that. The Illumination Chamber review. Our infamous debate, uh, but elsewhere, I got me seriously thinking. Like, when was the last Joe and the match where a referee didn't get like whacked? I will say the way the referee went down was hilarious. It looked so like uncoordinated and out of control. He like fell on his side. He's like in the ring ropes. He gets muddled up. He falls on his like shoulder and like and drops to the ring like he was like a dead carcass. It was it was hilarious. But anyway, Kevin, they do the ref bump. Match builds. Match builds. Oh, one thing I do like about Roman Reigns. And these matches, especially when his opponent kicks out of the one or two like finisher spots, and you think it's going to be over, and that they kick out Roman's face, like his facial acting, and Heyman as well, is top tier. You see Roman's face, like when he's just like he's just he's like stunned, and he'll pull the hair back, and he'll look like he's about to cry, and he's shocked. He's looking at Jey Uso, and he's just like it's like he's seen like a, a body resurrected. It, it's brilliant acting, it really is. And I don't know, I'll throw to you like. Thoughts on that? Thoughts on this match generally? Yeah, that that um that reaction when Roman hit the like when Roman and Solo hit the spear spike combination and the Usos kicked out of that. That reaction from Roman is going to be studied for years to come. Like like new wrestlers are going to be looking at that and like that's how you sell right there. You know that's how you get people invested with your acting as a wrestler. That that was like when LeBron didn't get that foul call in the game, the infamous LeBron meme. Where he's like like pounding on the on the floor and he's like ah 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 you know it was it was like that it was like Roman's equivalent of that that is something that's gonna be seen for years 
I'm sure that'll get memed at some point in the in the future. Um, incredible reaction. That was like the highlight of the sh- the match for me. That was so good. And Paul Heyman's just like he kicked out. How did they kick out? It's just, it's unbelievable. We we talked about this enough, but Roman's yeah. literally crying. Like <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, I I thought this match though. I thought it was slow. Um, I thought it was formulaic. We've kind of seen the same thing now for the past six months or so with Roman matches. It starts off, Roman's feeling out his opponent, you know, um, he's yelling at the crowd, kind of same stuff, um, and they built to it really slow. I, I personally think they could have cut off like seven minutes and just kind of got to the point more with this match. Um, but once it got going, I thought it was really, really good. And it was really good storytelling. Um, classic bloodline storyline stuff um really the only thing is now um and i think it's i I think it's a good thing for the moment i was left after the match with the usos winning like you said you didn't see coming i didn't see it coming but it is long-term storytelling twitter dug it up the the first time roman ever got pinned in a wwe match was in a multi-man tag match on raw like an eight-man tag and it was when the shield were heels and uh, the Uso, I'm not sure which Uso it was. I think it was Jimmy that pinned him. Jimmy pinned Roman the same exact way that he that he got pinned um, tonight, ten years ago. So that Jay was, pinned him. Who who was it? Was it Jay that pinned him? Jay pinned him tonight. Okay, so yeah, so it was Jay. So Jay pinned him ten years yeah. ago. It was the same exact way. Uh, the splash, the pin. Um, so yeah, long-term storytelling, pal. Do you? I, 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 obviously, you don't know the answer to this, but I want to just throw this. But obviously, Twitter digs this stuff up. Do you genuinely think, like backstage, that get, gets brought up in a creative meeting, or that, or that's incidental, or maybe when the or Triple H or whoever they 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 like they say, "Yep, yeah, Ryan, we're gonna have you lose to Joe, Joe's gonna pin you, or like you're gonna lose the money in the bank. <laughs> you're gonna get pinned." <laughs> and then maybe maybe Ryan and Heyman. So Jay Uso goes, hey, look, Hunter, like 10 years ago, the first time that guy, Joe and Y, lost the match was that way. We can just do the same thing. Like, I'll dig it up. Something like that. I think that's probably how it would go. Because yeah. I, I, I can't imagine Triple H is like, yeah, Raw 2013, we're going to have that callback. Mm. I didn't think that's how they'd do it. But nonetheless, Kevin, shocker. Um, I didn't see it coming. And one thing I will say regarding the match format, you, you say the word formulaic there. The main thing I'm hoping now, now that Roman's had this loss, hopefully this can be like a big change in how his matches flow. Because we've seen him when he's this top champion, thousand plus day run, dominant champion of the era. We know how these matches play out. Builds up, builds up, pretty good match. Ref bump, couple of finishes, the the, the point kicks out and he's like, what the hell? He's shocked. Then he eventually wins through some cheating or he eventually just gets the win. That's been the format. I'm hoping now... Maybe not SummerSlam, because it seems like he's going to face Jey Uso, and that would be like a great storytelling match. But if Reigns has a, another world title defense, if he has to defend against someone who's not in his bloodline, he just beats them. It's like a five, eight-minute match. He just decimates them from the jump. He goes insane. He's incensed. He can't let anyone beat him anymore. He, he, he's terrified of losing. He's super on edge. And he just does like a Brock Lesnar scene at SummerSlam 2014. He just goes snap. Eight minutes of domination, pins him, and he's just... Because what we're saying now, Kevin, is as you say, this was 32 minutes. And this was the storyline match, I get it. But every other title defense, 25, 30, 35 minutes. 
it's the same structure. So hopefully going forward, maybe a few different Roman Reigns style matches. So it's not as formulaic. Maybe. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, the, the question now is like, where do they go next? And I think that's a good thing right now. We don't know. They're going to find a way to stretch this storyline out. Um, obviously, as we know, we're going to get to uh, someone maybe, like one of the Usos versus Roman at SummerSlam. Uh, we did get a tease of like Solo looked like he was going to attack Roman for a minute during that moment where Roman was like crying over the Usos kicking out. Solo like walked over to him with the angry face and then quickly turned his attention to the Usos. So they could go that direction for SummerSlam. Um, but I do think that's a good way to keep us on a cliffhanger. What, what do you think? Like, just like the, the not knowing the uncertainty of like, there's okay. Like they're like, there's no, okay. This is what's going to happen on Friday. We're going to have the Usos crying because, you know, solo injured one of them or something. Like, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know what the hell's going to happen on SmackDown. What, what do you think? Oh, no, I fully agree. Uh, it, it leaves you thinking, okay, okay now the, the first big sort of things happen with this in this big storyline. Roman has lost. He's been pinned clean. So where they go is interesting to me. I'm fascinated from a perspective of, okay, how does SummerSlam go? I think they're doing Jay versus Roman. If I'm Jay pin Roman, so I think they're going to do that match again as like the final chapter. Or maybe they do Jimmy Russo versus Roman. I don't know. Jimmy. Who knows? Maybe Sokoa turns on Roman once and for all, and maybe Jay wins the title. I don't think Jay's pinning Roman twice. I just don't. That just doesn't seem like doesn't seem like what's going to happen. How does Cody factor into this? Who knows? He'll probably face Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. I don't really know. A lot of questions, as you say, and coming out of the show, it leaves you going, okay, what's, what are they going to do on SmackDown? Like, where's the direction? Which I guess the main thing. That's a good thing. So. Well, there's a there's also like a ton of fun potential too with like with Paul Heyman holding both the belts. Roman could just look at Jay like, oh, I'll fight you for this belt. That doesn't matter. Just throw like he throws like the the, the blue Universal title. And he's like, I'll fight you for this one. You're not getting this belt, the the undisputed belt, pal. You know that that would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, literally, Roman's just like he walks out. You know how you did that thing when he was in Montreal with the tiles, where he's just like. He's like he's like flapping like it's washing. He's just like yeah. He's got my laundry here. He's like waving it. <laughs> and remember he looked at Sami Zayn's wife and he had the titles. He's like, hey, I'm the travel chief. Like, <laughs> hundred. I've got to give hundred percent praise to Roman. He is he is a funny individual, Joanna Why When he's literally this is the face of the era. This is a dominant champion. He'll probably go down all times on the top 10, 15, greatest of all time. He's main eventing in Montreal and just these big pay-per-views, WrestleMania. It's just like... I think he did that WrestleMania as well to Brandy Rhodes and the Rhodes family. He gets the tiles, he's like, he's doing that. He's like flicking them. He's flicking them at him. That's great. So hopefully he does that to Jay and Jimmy Uso. Like, Jay Uso, maybe they do a segment in the next coming weeks. I beat you, Roman! That was three years in the making, Uso! And he's going on and on. Roman, he's just, he's just staring blankly. He turns, he's like, Paul, give me the titles. He gets all three of them and just goes, starts like flicking them <laughs> like that. He's like, some more ooze. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I would love it I if know. like, I would love it if Jimmy's like, Jimmy's real serious. Like Jimmy's just like, you know, it was, it was like a goal of mine to beat you. It's been 10 years since we beat you. And, you know, we're, we're finally getting out of your shadow. And now I think it's time that I challenge you for that undisputed universal championship. And Roman's just like, <laughs> He starts laughing, and he's like, he's just like, I'll, I'll give you my my old tag team belt from when I was with the Shield, bro. You want that? 
like I'll, I'll give you that bell here. You could have that. You could you could fight me for that one. That would be so great. He just starts laughing. Like, like Jimmy's so serious. He's laughing. He's like Paul. You hear this? You hear this guy Paul? He wants my championship. Like you you hear this this tag team wrestler? You know? Yeah. Imagine Paul Heyman's got like one like the bag Sam Punk has on Collision. Like it's like Heyman's got this like black bag and there's a title in there. And yeah, they, they do that. Jimmy or Jay Uso is like. We're gonna take this to the next level. We beat you on one more time, Hoops. And they, they build a summer and Roman's just laughing. He goes, Hey Paul, give me that one. And he points at like the, the bag and he grabs the bag. He's like, You can fight me for this. He pulls out the yeah, the bronze penny tag title belt from like 10 years ago. He's like, he's like he just starts flicking under the U show. He's like, Yeah, who's yeah, who's he's just like He's just like, he's like, this belt, like the guy, the guy that held this belt with me isn't even here anymore. <laughs> you know. The guy, I want this one that's off bleeding in some other company. I've got, I've got it now. This is my belt. Or, you know, Roman goes, what, do you want, what title do you want to fight me for? The US title I won in 2016 or the Intercontinental title from 2018? Or do you want to fight me for the, the Universal one I've held for 1,100 days? What about the WWE title I've held for 600 days? What about the, the undisputed WWE Mustard Universal title I've held for two months? What about this belt? What about this Slammy Award? What about my... my many Royal Rumble runner-up finishes. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just like the mustard belt, pal, that that's reserved for real stars. Like, you're just a tag team guy, bro. Like, Oh, my God. It's like, nobody can even tell you apart from your twin, bro. Like, you're not fighting me uh, for this, for the undisputed title. Like, that'd be so funny. Yeah, had Roman. Roman just goes off. He's like, Jay, I'm going to keep it real here. Now that, now that you've just fully, you've beat me and you've, you've gone off from my, my family and you're not my right-hand man, I've got to keep it real. The only reason anyone knows who you are and can tell you apart is because you got a, a big tattoo on your other titty. So now you have just both, yeah, like those tribal tattoos on both. So that's how people can tell you. And look, and he points at Jimmy. He's like, you're the one I have to drive at 2.30 a.m. in the morning to pick up from the police station, Jimmy, because of your fifth DUI. Okay, are we going to mention that when you make me out to be the bad guy? I have to pick you up from the police station. Like if they do stuff like that, that could be a legendary promo. Okay, imagine they do a segment where, once again, Paul Heyman, Roman Reigns, they they make they reference the, the the DUI situations like I've always been the stable in this family like Roman just goes off he's like no DUIs I've five children I'm the stable one here and he's like he's just losing his mind I guess that's the story they can tell Roman's just going AWOL Kevin he's he's flicking belts at, at Sami Zayn's wife he's he's lost the ball pal he's going to WHQ he's looking at Bret Hart's winged eagle and spitting on it he's throwing that he's He's gone, oh, Pedro Morales held this. And it's like, because you know how the old titles like smaller? They're, they're not as like big and grand yeah, as yeah. the current ones. It's like this like little, like literal, just normal belt. He's like looking at it goes, that's the, that's the size of my left hand. Like what, what the hell is this, huh? Huh? Is this the champion for the tribal chief, huh? And he like, he just like throws it on the ground and you have like wrestling historians like, this is the most disgusting segment I've ever seen. Double Green needs to be banned for this. Yeah. Oh man. Well, pal, that was great. Uh, that that's been the uh the Money the Bank 2023 review, and yeah, we'll catch you guys on the on the next episode of Elite Heat, which will be a big monumental episode of Elite Take. I believe that's gonna be our third rendition of Elite Take, so I'm excited for that. And yeah, peace. <laughs>